0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Uh, so let's see what did I start with. Uh, okay, so we are going to um, talk today about the formal uh, metta practice, which differs from the, uh, the the mindfulness practice. The mindfulness practice is basically... Allowing experience to be as it is and just meeting experience as it unfolds. And with the metta practice, we're actually moving towards um, cultivating a particular quality, the quality of loving-kindness. This fits into the Buddha's overall teaching. Um... He talked about, he actually talked about metta quite a lot. Talked about this practice of loving kindness quite a lot. And um, in terms of the Noble Eightfold Path, which is kind of the trajectory that we've been talking about for the last many months at this point, um, it fits into the area of wise effort. Where the... um, the the teaching of wise effort has different aspects to it and some of those aspects are actively cultivating wholesome states there's the aspect of wise effort that is letting go of unskillful unwholesome states, those states based in greed, aversion, delusion Um, and the other side of it is cultivating, maintaining wholesome states so states of, of kindness of compassion, of mindfulness, of concentration of peace so there's many wholesome states that we can move towards, cultivate in our practice and there are different ways to cultivate them and so this teaching on loving kindness is simply one small aspect of this teaching of wise effort cultivating this this particular quality of loving kindness so um just, just a little bit briefly, I talked about metta the last time I was here, but just a little bit of a summary around the quality itself. It's a, um, the term metta, the Pali term metta is derived from the word mita, which basically means friend. And so there's a, a connection between metta and friendliness. And so the the kind of simplest definition is just a quality of friendliness. A quality of open-heartedness, of caring, of connection. A wish for well-being for yourself and others. It ranges, there's a range of this quality when we first begin. It's in the terrain of simple caring. And the more we cultivate this quality the more we connect with it the more we begin to recognize its existence in our heart the more expansive it becomes the more pure it becomes. Often when we um, touch into our usual sense of caring there can be a sense of give and take with that sense of caring. There's a, a sense of well, I'll care for you if you'll care back for me. The pure purity of this quality of metta doesn't have that condition on it. It just has that open-hearted wish for well-being without needing anything in return. And in my own experience, this is this is one of the most beautiful uh, aspects of this quality. That when we can touch into that sense of open-hearted well-wishing for others, that doesn't need anything back, it's very—it's a beautiful feeling. First of all, it feels wonderful to wish well, and then to not need anything back makes it very freeing. Because if we're if we're in a give and take, then um, there's kind of a contraction around that feeling of metta. There's a kind of a, a sense of, well, there's conditions on it, essentially. And so when we can simply wish well without any conditions, not all, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful feeling, and it, it doesn't have any uh, restrictions on it. And what I found in my own experience is that that feeling itself, because we don't need anything back, it's, it's almost like we're complete in ourselves. You know that we, we don't need. Um, we don't need it to be returned. The feeling itself, at least for me, the feeling itself is. For me, it felt like the feeling I was looking for. Essentially, you know, oh, this this is what I've been looking for, and it doesn't need anything back. I'd been looking to get something like that from others, and here it is, right inside of me, and doesn't need anything back. So it's a very beautiful, beautiful quality. So when the Buddha offered instructions on loving kindness, he, um, he suggested a kind of a radiating. He said, we can abide pervading a quarter of the space. So like, pervade the north <laughs> with Kindness and then pervade the east with kindness, and then the south, and then the west, and then above and below. So he gave this kind of instruction, and the, 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 the phrases in the suttas are something like, one abides pervading one quarter, with a mind imbued with kindness, abundance, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. So that's the Buddha's instructions. Um... That's a big leap. (laughs) It's a big leap to get there right away. To abide pervading all of the universe with this feeling of kindness without hostility and without ill will. So fortunately for us, uh, the um, people who followed in this tradition um, offered some more specific tools for helping us to touch into this quality of metta, and to begin to see where the the tightness is around metta, so that we're not deceiving ourselves, you know, that if we think about, okay, yes, I'm just going to pervade the whole planet with kindness, and we can kind of maybe do that, you know, after we've gotten a sense of what this means. We can kind of open our hearts and have a sense of having a pervading quality of kindness that's radiating outwards. And yet, without hostility and without ill will, if we're doing this kind of pervading without getting specific about beings, we can deceive ourselves very easily. So, you know, It's like we can kind of think about... One person I talked to said, Oh yeah, I find Metta for all beings really easy. I put myself up in space and I look at the planet and I just pervade kindness to the whole planet. And we can have a sense of that. And yet, if we think about that particular person who did that thing to me, our heart may contract. So we have this sense of being able to wish ill will when we're not thinking about the specifics. So the practice that's offered, uh, the, the formal meta practice that's offered, helps us to uncover some of those specific holdings, specific tightenings. And uh, this is actually part of the practice. And so, you know, we talk about this practice of, of metta and we... You know, envision ourselves kind of floating on a cloud or something of kindness, and um, and feeling good all the time. Or you know, it's just like, oh, I'm going to be wishing well. That that probably should feel pretty good. Um, but when we get specific like this and actually pick some people to specifically send this well wishing to, we find that what this does is draws out. Those places where we're like, but, 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 but they did that thing, and how can I wish that person to be well? So that's part of the practice, actually. One of my teachers in the Metta, Guy Armstrong, talks about the Metta practice being like running a Metta magnet over your heart. You, you you take this meta magnet and you run it over your heart and what does a magnet do it pulls out its opposite so this practice of this formal practice of metta pulls to the surface pulls into consciousness everything that is not metta in our hearts and so this is what is called a purification practice so it's, um, it can be a challenging practice. Some people, some people find it really resonant. And this is part of the reason I'm teaching it, because you know, the practices that are offered here, uh, all minds are, are different. They resonate with different practices at different times. So some of you may really resonate with this practice. Others of you, it may be really challenging for But in any case, it will probably have times of difficulty. There will be times when doing this practice, what you find when you're wishing uh, metta to a dear friend, for example, is this, the mind comes up with all the reasons why it's not a good idea, or it's not safe, or um, they don't deserve it, or you don't deserve to wish them kindness, or whatever is coming up. There are many, many ways that we hold and contract around metta, around this feeling of kindness. So that, I just wanted to put that out there right at the beginning. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a process, this exploration of metta. So the, um, the formal metta practice is uh, explored in a systematic way. So, as I said earlier, you know, if we're not specific, uh, we may be deluding ourselves about being able to wish well. So, the formal metapractice suggests kind of um, starting with various categories of beings to wish this kindness to. The five categories... Our self, wishing kindness to ourselves, wishing kindness to uh, a benefactor or what I will be tending to call today an easy being, um, a dear friend, a neutral person and a difficult person. So, you know, those five categories kind of covers our relationships with people. Now, there may be one individual that feels like fits in more than one category at different times. <laughs> um, somebody, somebody said they felt like they could use themselves in all of the categories at times. Um, so we, what we do is we pick a specific individual in our lives again to get specific about this to fit into each of those categories and then we practice sending metta to that specific individual and learning what are all of the ways in which there can be tightness, contraction around sending metta to a specific person in each of these categories to begin to Understand where we contract. Yeah, question. Could you repeat the five categories? The five categories, yes. Five categories are self, a benefactor or an easy being, uh, a dear friend, a neutral person, and a difficult person. And the way I'd like to explore this over the coming, I think we'll probably take mm, some weeks, I don't know how many, it depends uh, on how far we get each week probably at least three weeks, to explore this practice. And uh, what I'd like to do today is to explore self to benefactor and self. Explore metta to benefactor and self. So with metta, this practice of metta, the instruction may be contrary to our typical way of doing things in this culture is to start where it's easiest. I think often in our trying to do and accomplish things, we look at, well, where am I lacking? Where is it hardest for me? That's where I should try to get stronger. That's where I should try to work. With the metta practice, the instruction is particularly uh, emphasized to start where it's easiest. The... The... um, Traditional 2,500-year-old understanding from the time of the Buddha is that the easiest place to begin with metta is to start with oneself. This is um, reflected in a teaching from the Buddha where there is a queen who... Was very devoted to the Buddha, and her king came to her and said, "Who do you love most in the world?" And you know, potentially this is a little bit of a setup. You know, <laughs> the king asks his queen, "Who do you love most?" But she's, you know, she's very um, immersed in the Buddhist teachings, and she said, "When I think about the whole world." The being that I care for most is myself. And, um, and then she said to her husband, And you? How about you? <laughs> and he said, Yeah, it's the same for me. Let's go ask the Buddha about this. You know, Let's go see what the Buddha says. And the Buddha's response was, In surveying the entire world, you will not find anyone more worthy of your love than yourself. Now, that's an interesting kind of statement because he doesn't say that, um, he says, you will not find anyone more worthy of love than yourself. But he doesn't say that you are more worthy of love than anyone else. He says, you will not find anyone more worthy of love. And so he's pointing to an actual um, way in which we can love others and ourselves equally. Ultimately, that is the way the metta practice moves us, is that we can cultivate this quality of a loving heart that loves irrespective of who we are. So this is the traditional teaching, that it's easiest to start with ourselves. Now, I certainly found that it was not easy to start with myself. This was, this was probably one of the most challenging areas for me. Um, and I think for many people in this culture, it is also difficult to start with self. And so the way I'd like to explore it today is to start with the category of benefactor, or what I will call easy being. Um, Because it seems to me that, at least for me, the the first time I really could connect with this quality was at one point when one of my teachers on one retreat, we were doing the metta every day in in the afternoon, and one of my teachers came in and, and offered the instruction, pick a being that makes you smile. And immediately my cat popped into my mind. And it's like, oh yeah, I I have that feeling for my cat, you know. That 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 was easy. And you know, she instantly made me smile when I thought of her. And so that became a kind of an entry point for me, is to feel that feeling of kindness, of caring, of well wishing for my cat. So for easy being that's why I call it being <laughs> rather than easy person. <laughs> you know, for the easy being, pick a, a being that makes you smile. Pick a being for whom it is very easy for you to have that connection with. A very uncomplicated, simple relationship. Um Maybe a child, maybe a grandparent, maybe a teacher, maybe a pet. Um, one teacher, uh, Ajahn Brahm in Australia, who's kind of he, he's a he's a very um, uh, skilled meditation practitioner, very experienced, and he uh, begins his metta by imagining kittens. You know, he just makes them up. He, he doesn't even like, you know, think of kittens he knows. He just makes up kittens in his mind. And that is a place for him to begin. Another person on one retreat, I'm told I didn't hear this myself, but this has been reported now among the teaching community that somebody felt like they could wish that feeling to their stuffed teddy bear. So it may not even need to be a living being, although I think the 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 juice gets a little more uh, strong when there is a possibility of connection and return. But if that's where to begin for you, begin there. So, for this this benefactor, we will you know pick a being that makes you smile. So the the practice then, we begin by calling a being to mind. And over the course of the weeks, we will explore these various categories. So today, we'll do self and easy being. And the practice is a practice of actually using words in the mind, of using phrases to wish well to the being that you have chosen. So, there are four traditional kinds of phrases that kind of express different aspects of kindness. And I'll just phrase these in kind of one one way. Um, There are different ways that these could be translated from the Pali. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. So each of those gives a slightly different flavor of that well-wishing. Now just in um, talking about this, so what we're doing here is what would be called a reflective practice. We are using thoughts to incline our mind in a particular direction. The thoughts themselves, the form of the thoughts, is it's actually important. I mean, this, this is not what, what may be called an affirmation practice. So, in wishing to ourselves, for instance, this is the same phrase as, May I be happy? May I be healthy? May I be safe? May I live with ease? It's not the statement to ourselves, I am happy, I am healthy. It's the wish that is the actual important part here. The wish for happiness, the wish for health is that metta. That is that quality of caring, of well wishing. So I sometimes like to, to call this quality of metta a quality of well wishing. Because it's the wishing Part it's the wishing for the health, the happiness, not a demand for anything in particular to happen. So it's the wish that we're connecting to. So um, that's one aspect of the phrases that that they're expressive of a wish. Another aspect of the phrases are that they are connecting to the intention for well-wishing. So that we, um, we make that wish, so we bring up a being in our mind and make that wish, may you be happy. We may or may not feel any connection with the quality of what we think of as kindness or caring or well-wishing In our hearts. We may or may not feel that. The thoughts themselves. Are an expression of an intention. To wish well. It's kind of like planting a seed. So it's the seed of well wishing. Both for. Another. But also for. Ourselves to connect with that. Well wishing. So the seed. Contains both, actually. It 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 is a it is a an outward expression of caring, but it also contains that caring or that sense of um, may I wish you this, you know? May I wish you have this wish for you? So it's a practice of intention. It's kind of like planting seeds in a field, and some of those seeds will sprout given the right conditions. So the results of the metta practice are kind of a long-term thing. It's not necessarily that in the first time you sit down and practice metta that you will feel much of this quality. And starting with the easy being, where you can have that sense of a smile being generated, gives us a taste. Of that quality, it begins to it can begin to give us a taste of that quality. So that's why we begin with the easy being. It begins to give us a sense of the feeling, and then as that there's an image that's used sometimes that um, the meta practice is kind of like water water filling up a pool, and then as that pool fills up, it spills over. And then begins to fill up other pools. There's a image that I have from a place in Hawaii where there are these seven pools, you know, going down a, a hillside. And the water fills up the first pool and spills over and then fills up the next pool and spills over. That's the image of meta. That... As, it, as we are filled with the feeling of metta, it begins to overflow and then more naturally moves outwards to others. So while we use phrases, we use um, may I be happy, may I be healthy, we use these phrases to cultivate this quality of metta. Um, it's not a mantra practice. So it's not an affirmation practice, and it's not a mantra practice. A mantra practice would just be using essentially the sound of a repeating phrase. We are going to be repeating these phrases, but the, uh, the mantra practice would just be repeating, repeating uh, a sound and using almost the sound to help you get settled. With this practice, we bring up these phrases in our minds... And we understand the meaning of the phrase. So it's not just repeating, may I be happy, may I be happy, may I be happy, we just move into a kind of a, just the sound of it. Every time we say that phrase, we connect with what it actually means. Whether or not we feel it. So for me, initially when I first learned this practice, it was pretty mental. You know, it was like, all these phrases. Um, and it it just felt like it was up here somehow. You know. I, I, all the work was being done up in my head. And then at some point I got the instruction. That with each phrase. You connect with the being. That you are sending the metta to. And say the phrase. Understand the meaning. And then. Touch in, feel in the body, especially around the area of the heart. What does it feel like? Has there been any response in the heart of making that wish? So this makes it a true, what I would call a true reflective practice. When I teach reflective practice in other forms, what I suggest is you settle in to a little bit of stillness and then drop a phrase or a thought into the meditation and then see what happens. How does your heart respond? How does your being respond to that phrase? And so this is the way we practice the metta. We drop a phrase into our meditation and we see how does the heart respond to that? For me this instruction made it embodied. It took it out of my head and brought it into my body. It brought it into my heart actually. And I began to have senses of sometimes a little bit of opening in the heart. Sometimes some contraction when, the, when there was something difficult. So I, I could see ve- much more clearly how the heart was responding to this practice. So it became much more visceral to me to include this step of with each phrase, check in. How does it impact you? So this kind of slows down the metta practice too. I mean, you might sit there, and I think in Joseph Goldstein said in one of his early metta retreats, he was like, he was wishing metta, may I be happy, may I be healthy, may I be safe, may I be at ease. He's like, what is this a race? You know. Finally, he realized he didn't have to do it that fast. You know. So I encourage taking time between each phrase. So with each phrase, what I suggest is. See if you can connect with the being. And there are different ways to do that depending on your mind. Your mind may be very easily able to visualize an image of this being. If that's the case, images are great. If you can call up an image of a being, it, o- it often evokes any sense of connection or caring. So if you can bring up an image and use that image, that may help to support that connection, that feeling of connection. For me, I can sometimes get a brief flash of an image, but it's, it doesn't stay for very long. I'm not a terribly visual person. So I, I, br- I start with that image. But then I, what I allow to happen for myself is to have the sense with that image supporting it. But you may be able to just do this right away is to have the sense that that being is right in front of me. What does it feel like to be in the space of that being? That was easier for me, that kind of that kinesthetic feeling of what it feels like. If you think about it, I mean, even just right now, you know, close your eyes and envision, um, if you've thought of an easy being, you know, envision that being right in front of you. And how does it feel to be with that being? And now let that go. And then um, now envision uh, somebody from your life that you have a little bit of struggle with. And, And how does that make you feel as you envision that? And then let that go. And just open your eyes again. So for me, I have a sense with each person there's a slightly different energetic space or energetic feeling as I imagine being with that person so you can use that as a way to imagine this being and then for me also sometimes that comes and goes and so when all else fails I use the name of the being (laughs) to help me connect so you know Joan, may you be happy Joan, may you be healthy so, just using the name, every phrase, and you can use all three of these if it helps you. So, we envision the being in some form, say the phrase, understand the meaning, and again, this is just simply dictionary definition. I, you know, it's just like, may I be happy? You know, do you understand what that means? This is primarily to keep you with the um, uh, the meaning as opposed to the sound. Of the phrases and then connect with how has it impacted you to make that wish so uh, any questions, any brief questions here, yeah mm-hmm. um, I, have, I had this question uh, for a couple of months uh, when I first started, I first started. Oh, could you use the oh, mic so. Um, I've had this question for a while since the first time I learned about Metta several months ago. When uh, we do the benefactor, the very first person that comes to my mind is a woman who was extraordinarily kind uh, to me. She saw even my negativity. and She was extremely... She understood I was coming from a lot of pain. But she's no longer among the living, but I still... Rose is... I mean, she just is like right there in front uh-huh, of me, uh-huh. and I wonder if that's—I don't know—kosher. So uh, I will. I'm going to give you two answers to that. <laughs> um, so the question basically around is it okay to do meta for somebody who is no longer alive? And the um, the the I think the answer in terms of what we're doing here is absolutely, it's fine. Especially if it evokes in you that feeling. Um, so definitely it's fine. Now the, the understanding is that, and this instruction around, you may hear at times that people say, it's not so helpful to do metta for somebody who has died. That, that is in the commentaries, but that is within the context of doing metta as a concentration practice. Um, and there is uh, a sense that the deepening of the connection, it, as we move into the the deeper um, areas of the meta, the deepening of that connection happens when there is someone who can receive and return. The feeling so, with someone who has died there depending on you know you, you may have the belief in future lives or something, so you may have a sense that she 's out there somewhere, but she 's no longer in the form in which you know her so um, there 's the, the way that you 're imaging her, she no longer exists, so the um, uh, if you ever decide to do metta as a concentration practice, you might use her as a way in, but then pick somebody who's among the living uh, as, as it deepens. So I think it's fine for what we're doing, especially if you can connect to that feeling as a place to begin. Yeah, then I would use it, yeah. I'm just thinking, if you're a beloved being um, and you're wishing, say, health, and they're not healthy. Mm -hmm. So, um, um, A couple of things for that as well. Um, The the wish that we're making is a wish. Um, It's not a demand. And the way I've connected to that in my own heart is if i had the power if my wish had the power to free you from your disease would that be what i wished yes that is the meta that wish not that we're kind of placing conditions on our wish that i'll only wish this if it can come true in some way but you know, it's, it's kind of really connecting to that, that deep wish. And then we have reactions to that, right? That, okay, so that wish is there, and yet it's like, but it's not possible. So it's not appropriate to have that wish, or um, I'll be frustrated uh, by not having that wish met, or it's wrong to wish that because it's not possible. I mean, there's all kinds of things that come up in our mind around it. Those are skews, of the metta, you know, they are kind of they kind of flip the metta in another direction. So that's what we look at as we make that wish, is how our hearts go, oh, but it's not possible. Um, but that, if you can con- connect in to that, if I had the power, would this be what I wished? Yes, that that is the metta. That is that, that quality. And then the other place in terms of beginning uh, our metta practice... We start where it's easiest. So you might want to pick somebody who is in a state of health, of happiness, of well-being right now as a place to begin. Um, yeah, that, that again, so, so that you're not running up against that. Um, and then as we move to all beings... Everybody can be included. And then the other piece, so there's kind of a three-part answer to this question. The other piece is that when that comes up, when that feeling comes up, sometimes what's happening is that feeling of metta, that open-hearted connection, is meeting suffering. And when that open-hearted connection meets suffering, the quality shifts a little bit. It's still that open-hearted connection, but it shifts to compassion. Um, and so the purity of the open heart meeting suffering becomes compassion. And in that situation, if you're wishing meta for somebody and it comes up in your mind um, um, uh, that uh, some kind of suffering that they're hap- having, you can shift to compassion practice. And the phrase for compassion, the simple phrase for compassion prac- practice, is "May you be free of this suffering." So it is, you know, it is a reflection of the same wish, but it's more directly meeting the suffering. Um, and then, did you have one? And, uh, okay. Okay. Well, I, I want to I do the practice, actually. Why don't we do the practice and then, and then have some time for more questions afterwards? Okay. Okay. Um.